You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and as always, before we get into this week's interview, got to give it up for our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. MailChimp, of course, is the premier email service provider choice for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Join more than 7 million people who use MailChimp to design and send 500 million emails every day. Of course, we use it here at Revision Path. I use it to send out our monthly newsletters. And MailChimp also integrates with over 800 different services, anything from accounting to event planning. So I'm sure you can find a way to use it in your business as well. Sign up for a free account at MailChimp.com. Need a new domain for your next project? Check out Hover. Each domain comes with free private domain registration, unlimited domain forwarding, and world-class customer support. Hover also has this really great new feature that's called Hover Connect. So if you have a website that's on Format or Shopify or Squarespace or Tumblr, you can easily connect your Hover domain to either of those services automatically for free. No copying and pasting or anything like that so you don't mess it up. And you can disconnect it at any time in case you move to another platform. You can keep your domain. So go ahead, grab yourself a domain today. Use the promo code DOGDAYS and save 10% off your purchase. Creative Market sells graphics, fonts, themes, photos, and a whole lot more starting at only $2. They give away a selection of free goods every Monday, of course, today is Monday, and they've got great bundle promotions every month. And while you're over there, if you see something else that you like, use our promo code REVISIONPATH and save 20% off your purchase. Alright, here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. So since last week, we are now up to 13 patrons for a combined total of $107 per month. So. A tremendous, huge thanks to all of you. I know I say that every week, but I really do mean that. To all of you that have already pledged your support and appreciation for the show, it really means a lot now more than ever, I guarantee you. And if you want to help become a patron of Revision Path and get access to some really great perks, like we do special giveaways, early access to future episodes, or a monthly Google Hangout with me and other Revision Path supporters, head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path and help make that happen. Pledge levels are extremely affordable. They start at just $1 a month. $1, four quarters, easy way to support the show. So please, if you've gotten value from the interviews, from the people that I've talked to, please consider becoming a patron and pledging your support. All right, so let's get on with this week's interview since we're talking about that. Um, I talked with Kaya Thomas. Kaya is currently a sophomore at Dartmouth College studying computer science, and she's a developer of the popular iPhone app We Read 2. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Okay, my name is Kaya Thomas. I'm a student studying computer science at Dartmouth College, as well as an iOS developer and the creator of WeWee2, a cultural literacy app that it serves as a directory of children's and teen books all written by authors of color. So talk to me about what is the computer science department like at Dartmouth? Yeah, so the computer science department at Dartmouth has been a great experience. It's definitely interesting uh, to navigate as a black woman. I'm the only black girl who is studying computer science in my year, in the class of 2017. So that has been kind of lonely sometimes, but the department itself is very supportive. Uh And I feel that 
like I've learned a great foundation of computer science and being in the department. Um, I've learned some software skills as well as theoretical skills that are good. And I think it's given me a good foundation to go out and build things on my own. Now, you say you're the only one in your year, but are you the only one, I guess, that's kind of studying in the department now? There is one girl who is in the class of 2016, and there are three freshmen who have just gotten here this year who have expressed interest to me and have taken some computer science classes who are interested in majoring. So hopefully they decide to major when they get to their second year. So there's, I would say, maybe five <laughs> in, in, the okay. whole, in the whole department. And the department is growing fast. So there's, I think there's probably about, you know, 70 plus majors. Mm-hmm. Is there like a, I mean, this might be a silly question, but is there like a kinship between you all? Knowing that you're the only black people that are there in the department studying together, do you kind of look out for each other, things like that? The girl who is in the year above me, she's actually engineering in CS. So she's not, uh-huh. she's not in the CS department technically. So she takes CS classes sometimes. And um, I've tried to really, you know, open my arms to the first years who are interested and really trying to give them some support and some help whenever they need it, whether it's about deciding classes, talking about, you know, which professors and such, if they need help with something. I've really tried to be there because I know how hard it can be at times and, it's easy to quit, to be honest. It's really easy to quit. So mm-hmm. I've tried to be that support for them. Do you have any sort of plans about what you want to do after graduation? I know that's, that's still a little bit in the future. Yeah, um, I've been thinking about it a lot. I think that I definitely want to go into industry and hopefully go into industry either work in education technology, so some company that is trying to create you know, education technology software or somehow be innovative in a way that technology can affect education in a positive way, or go work for a company that is really trying to diversify the technology industry in some way or an organization. I'm also interested in grad school a little bit, more in terms of programs that are specified like education technology. I'm really passionate about education. And because I have the technology skills, I feel like it's important for me to use those in some ways that can affect education in a revolutionary way. Why specifically education technology? Yeah. So so in terms of education, I feel like now, that, especially in public schools, kids get lost, like especially early on in early ages. So like kids mm-hmm. get lost and sometimes teachers don't have enough time or resources to really dedicate towards those students who get lost. And usually the students who get lost, they just end up not liking school and such. And they end up just going on maybe a path that if they had some support or had some more guidance, maybe they wouldn't have gone on that that separate path that is not education. Because I, I really believe that knowledge is power. So when you give yourself knowledge and learn skills, it really it really gives you the power to, to do something or really have a place in, in some type of field or industry. So if we are able to early on have use technology in a way that helps kids stay on track, so sometimes teachers are, can't always be there, but what if there was some technology that can help them, help parents and students themselves understand how they learn and understand how to guide themselves on the right path and stay on track and keep progressing? I think that's where technology can come in and really help students and parents and teachers. Now, you mentioned that you also developed an iPhone app. It's called We Read 2. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so We Read 2 is an application that 
features over 350 children's and young adult books, all written by authors of color. And it's an app where you can go and you can browse, you can search for these books, you can look at a short description of each book and then go straight to the Amazon page if you're interested in purchasing the book. And I created it because I have always loved reading. Like from when I was a kid, I was always in the library, you know, picking out three to four books a week. But as I got older and I started learning more about, you know, my identity and who I was, I realized that a lot of the books I was reading didn't really, I couldn't really relate to in terms of that none of the characters were described like to look like me or to act like me. And I, I started feeling a little left out and a little lost. So I started searching for books to see okay, I'm sure there has to be books out there with, you know, a character that's a smart black girl or something like that, or who is a black girl who loves to read and tinker with things and who's nerdy or something like that. So I started searching and I found that there were some books out there, but there was no central resource to find these type of books. Like I would find one blog post here or there, like a hundred books written by black authors or, you know, 20 books written by Asian American authors. Like very, it was very scattered. There was no central resource. So I thought, okay, maybe I can create this resource. And once I started learning how to code, I was like, okay, definitely I can use technology to bring this resource to life. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, it serves a purpose. I told my buddy, Chris, Dr. Christopher Stewart, who I've interviewed for the show, he has two young daughters. I think they're six and I think Lena turns one soon. So like six and one, like two young daughters under 10. And I told him about the app because he can use it as a resource to oh. kind of find books that he can read to his kids. So that's amazing. Thank you. Where do you see We Read 2 going in the future? The number one thing on the horizon is releasing an Android application because I understand that I'm missing a lot of people by only having an iPhone application. That's the immediate next step. And uh, that will hopefully be out before the year is out. And then next I want to expand it. I want to keep adding more books. There's going to be soon in the next few weeks, I'm going to be adding a bunch of books. So there probably will be more like 500 to 600 books available on the app within wow. the, within the next few weeks. And I actually maybe I'm thinking about working with libraries and figuring out maybe there's a way they can improve cataloging and help them find more books, more diverse books to you know have in, in their when you go to the library, you usually see books on display to have more diverse books on display and available to the kids when they have you know, reading competitions and stuff like that. So I, I want to maybe work with libraries. And then in the later horizon, it will be great to reach out to the publishing companies to maybe have previews of the books inside of the app. But I know that takes, mm. that takes a lot. So that's definitely in the later horizon. Yeah, I think you'll find that if you reach out to, I know that on Twitter, there's a pretty big like librarian tech community. Mm -hmm. I find if you reach out to them, you'll probably be able to link up with someone that can help you out on the library's front. Because I know librarians are kind of always looking for ways that they can use technology within the work that they're doing. Yep. I think anything that makes their job easier as it relates to discovery for, for patrons, I think is always a good thing. Yeah, for sure. I talked to a few librarians on Twitter and it's been great and they've been really helpful. I actually was just talking, corresponding with someone and thinking about having a comic book section with all diverse like comic books for kids and, and for young people. So it's definitely been great using social media. Like oh, that, would, yeah, that would be dope because there's, there's a big black comic, I think, contingent on Twitter as well, too. So I think that would be awesome. Yeah, for sure. 
were you always really interested in coding and developing or did this just kind of come about in the past few years? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so this all kind of happened very randomly. So I actually was very, when I was in high school, I was very into, I was into STEM a lot, but I was more into environmentalism and science, not like coding and development, but more, you know, traditional science. So I was really into environmentalism and I thought that I was going to go and become an environmental engineer. So I actually had no idea about anything about coding or development. I think the closest that I had came to coding was when I like had a MySpace and I used to like play with HTML. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the closest that I came to coding when I was younger. It was my freshman winter break and I decided that I didn't want to do environmental engineering. And so I was trying to figure out what I would switch my major to. And I had came across a TED Talk by Kimberly Bryant, the founder of Black Girls Code. And she was talking about how women of color specifically are huge consumers of technology. And because we're huge consumers, it's also important for us to be creators of technology so that we're making technology catered and for you know our communities as well. And that was a real eye-opener. And I was like, okay, like what is this technology thing? Like How can I get into this? And so I first started out online learning Python on Codecademy. And from there, it just clicked. I was like, this is really fun. It, I've always been really nerdy. So I thought it was like really fun, like something that I could do in my free time. <laughs> Uh -huh. I just really liked it and I kept going with it. And when I got back to school, I took my first computer science course, which was a really cool course called Programming Through Interactive Art. So we were learning processing, which is a Java library that allows you to use music and art and, and games to learn coding. So we were creating games, we were creating animations, we were creating music with code. And that was a really I've always been a very artistic kind of creative person. That was a really way, great way for me to get into it and really learn, you know, the foundations of programming combined with art. So that's how I really got into it and decided this is definitely what I want to do. Interesting. I've never heard of that. What was it called again? Processing. Processing. Yeah, Processing JS. It's a Java slash JavaScript library that allows you to, you know, easily create, you know, games. Khan Academy uses it for their their coding course and stuff like that and it allows you to use a lot of artistic ways to learn coding it's really great wow the reason that i guess i i'm kind of so wowed by that is because when there's all this discussion about you know stem i feel that the arts are really sort of left out of that oh. and i know that there's there's this you know kind of push to change or not to change but to recognize stem also as steam by including arts within all of this so to hear that there is this you know, this Java, you know, library, JavaScript library that is also using kind of these artistic creative methods in order for you to learn code. That seems like a perfect kind of marriage of those things. It does. I think that it's very important to not exclude the arts. I feel like visual learning, a lot of people are very visual with their learning and having ways for creativity and art to come into it to really show that STEM can be fun and creative as well, I think it's really, really important. And it's really important that we focus on that too, that creative part of technology and, and science. So aside from We Read too, what are you, you know, kind of working on now? Any personal projects, any other like fun tech libraries and things that you're working with? So I have a YouTube channel called Co with Kaya and 
I am trying to post more and do some tutorials and such. And right now I've been playing with the Mayo. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's a gesture control hardware that allows you to you know, control your computer or phone and stuff with your arm. So I got one of those a couple of months ago and I've been playing with their iOS SDK and I'm trying to create like a really simple tutorial to help people understand how to create an iPhone app using the Mayo. So I'm hoping to release a YouTube video for that within the next couple of weeks. And that's really been fun. I've been playing around with that. On campus, I work at the Dolly Lab, which is basically a digital arts and programming lab that takes on clients and students and graduate students work on these different projects. So I've been working on a really cool project this term, which is a recording learning software. So that's been really, really fun. That's also an iOS application. So I've been really diving into iOS and really trying to learn as much as I can to really develop my skills as an iOS developer. So I want to talk to you, or I want to ask you, I guess, about Drive. A few weeks ago, I spoke with a college professor. Her name's uh, Tamika D. Williams. She's a, a graphic design professor at Alabama A&M University. And while what she spoke about is about design, I think it just kind of trickles down into the college experience overall. She was talking about how for students, for her women students especially, there was this kind of discernible lack of drive, kind of like a lack of enthusiasm as it relates to really being into what you're studying and trying to excel, I guess, if that, if that makes any sense. For other black women that are out there listening, you know, students especially, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, I'm one person who is like unabashedly nerdy. And I think that um, I don't know if in terms of what she was talking about, that I've seen definitely in other, you know, women who I've studied with, that there's a kind of thing that you're not supposed to kind of be like super excited about, like nerdy stuff like coding and development. I would say to like any other black girls out there, like if you're passionate about this, if this is something that you like to do, don't be afraid to be out there about it. Don't be afraid to be passionate and to be like, listen, I love this. This is why I love it. This is what I do. Um, I think that when you do that, a lot more opportunities come to you because when you're passionate about something, it's obvious and people like to work with other passionate people. So don't kind of downplay your enthusiasm. And if you love it and if you're good at it, be proud of that and show that. I think that's really important that something that you probably see, it's harder as a black woman to do that because there's not many, as many of us in the field and we often don't get taken as seriously. But if you show that you're passionate about it and you are very kind of like, listen, this is what I do. You can't tell me nothing. Like, this is me right. and this is what I love. There can be less of that, you know, combative, like, you don't know what you're talking about. You just have to kind of be really, like, stern about it. So, and with that, you know, with that passion also comes, you know, visibility because you're out there, you're showing that you know your, you know your stuff, you know the work that you're doing and you're able to speak up about it confidently. That's a really big I think a really big draw for anyone. Yeah, for sure. So at 19, you've already accomplished like a ton of stuff. <laughs> I mean, aside from being like highly visible as a black woman in technology, you've got your own successful app. You've been honored by Michelle Obama. Like <laughs> I heard that on, on another round when you were when you were saying that like, oh, yeah, I was on stage. I was kind of trying to keep together. And then I went backstage and like bawled my eyes out. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to meet Michelle Obama, I would probably do the same thing. But <laughs> do you feel like added pressure to succeed because of these like highly visible milestones that you made or like any added scrutiny because of that? Yeah, I, I do feel pressure. I think that there is 
with the visibility, there is definitely uh, some downsides. There's always the expected, like, okay, like, what's next? Like, you've done this, but, like, something greater yeah. is coming. And I think that, especially as, like, I, you know, get closer to graduating college, too, there's that added pressure. So what are you going to do after college, right? Like, are you yeah. going to be, like, you know, everybody has these, like, grandiose ideas for me. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm really happy that, to have so much support and to have so many people rooting for me. But there definitely is a pressure to that I, I need to do the next big thing and I need to do be the next big success. I mean, I can totally see where that would come from, you know, because like you say, you're you're a highly visible person that's doing this. What do you do for like self-care? Like what do you do at those times when it does get to be too much and it's just too much to handle at one point in time? Yeah, I mean, that's something that I've been working on and trying to figure out. I think so certain things that relax me, like I love reading, whether it's reading a book, reading articles, like just taking time to read and learn. I really that actually really like helps me relax. And mm-hmm. I love being excited about things. And that really helps me as well. Also, like just relaxing. So sometimes just watching Netflix or watching TV is also like a really good kind of like equalize you know the stress um sometimes that's really great for me too so sometimes just doing things that help me relax and like you know help me chill out will are really helpful yeah that downtime is is so important i feel that particularly for i think maybe this is just the case for young people in general but i feel like young (laughs) black people get this this kind of burden of like they sleep we grind you know what i mean where it's like you've got to be working 24 7 365 you got to just keep going push through it and i think that's such a quick way to get burned out especially because you're in school and you're doing this like you have to have that time to just say okay you know what i just need to chill out this weekend recharge my batteries and then like hit it hard again on monday or something like that yeah that that kind of and i think you know even for adults too i'm saying it as as you as a student but even for adults that's just it's so important to have that to have that time to just not do anything to rest yeah i think that that's so important as young people i think not even young people but i think as black people who are really trying to do something innovative in whatever field they're doing you know you have to work twice as hard so there is this mentality that you have to always keep going because if you stop then you're going to get left behind so i think it's so important to have that self-care so so important so I want to ask you about, uh, <laughs> I almost want to say the dreaded D word, because every time this, this comes up, I feel like the thoughts and opinions behind it can be so polarizing. But I want to talk about diversity. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be supportive of diversity? Because I think that when we talk about diversity in the tech field, you know, we're, of course, speaking about making sure that we're leveling the playing field, Right. We want to make sure that everyone kind of has those same chances to succeed, to get farther. Also, we're talking about the pipeline, making sure that the people that are the students and, and the kids that are coming into this industry are well equipped to be a part of this industry. But what does it mean to be supportive of that? Because I feel that that part is kind of left out a bit Yeah. to the point where people may see diversity as just a system of quotas that need to be met. Like we need to have this many black women and this many Asian, you know, men or something like that. Like they feel like it has to be something that is quantified as opposed to say, I don't know, like a general goal to try to reach is to just diversify your workforce. That can be a little nebulous for people to wrap their heads around. Yeah, no, I think that there's definitely this kind of idea that it's all about the numbers, which the numbers are really important. But I think that if you're going to be 
a supporter of diversity in your company, your organization, or whatever, you have to combat your own culture. So you need to look at what unconscious biases do you have or does your company organization have that you're blocking off and not hiring these people in the first place, right? So it's not about, okay, let's just randomly hire these people. You should be have hired them in the first place. So what in your culture or what in your company is stopping you from that? So combating whether that's racism, sexism, transphobia, homophobia, whatever is going on, you know, in your company or in your culture, combating that and addressing that is really, really important. And it's also about being inclusive of everyone. So I think a lot of times when we talk about diversity, it's really easy for a company to say, okay, we have this amount of women, like we have such and such percent of women, I think we're good. And it's not just about that. It's about being inclusive in general, of all identities, you know, not just, mm-hmm. no, not just women, not just black people, not just this, but of everyone who has been marginalized in the industry. So I think when we talk about diversity, we don't always talk about how companies and organizations can combat their own culture and really how they have to address the underlyings of why they're not hiring these people in the first place. Yeah, that inclusion part, I mean, that's so important and goes hand in hand because it would do the people a disservice if you are working towards these diversity goals or you're working towards these pipeline goals and you fill in so many people to come into your company, but then they don't feel comfortable there. Exactly. They leave after a certain amount of months and then, you know, you kind of end up having this kind of class of workers that feel dejected because they've been pumped up so much to be a part of this industry. Then they get here, the metaphorical here, but they get in the industry working and they're like, this place is terrible. I hate it. You know what I mean? It really does them a disservice if that happens. So inclusion is such, such an important part of that whole spectrum of diversity. Exactly. Because we talk a lot about the hiring process, but like, what is your company doing to support these people after they get hired? You know, it's not, and look at the retention rates, right? They say that the retention rate for women in the industry is like, after 10 years, most women leave the industry. Like, so, Mm -hmm. so things like that is like, what is happening in your, your company's culture? that these people are leaving, right? So you can hire them, great, but are they even staying there? Do you think that the tide is turning in terms of acceptance and inclusion in the industry? I think there's a lot of, because there's a lot of talk about it, a lot of buzz, I think a lot of companies and organizations have no choice. I think that, (laughs) I think if you're a company or organization that isn't addressing it, then you're you're just really fooling yourself. And that's really going to be more hurtful to you than anything else. So... I think that companies, organizations at this point have no time to address it. I think we won't be able to tell if this whole buzz thing really worked until the next couple of years. And I hope that it continues, but there's still a lot of problems. Like I said, I think right now we're too focused on the numbers and we're too focused on the pipeline. Like I'm all like, as I said before, I'm all for education. Education is very important and the pipeline is important. So getting students exposed, you know, marginalized students exposed to this early on is very important, but it's not the only solution because we still have women, you know, we still have LGBTQIA people. We still have, you know, people of color in the industry right now. So how can we support these people right now? We're not talking about that as much either. So I think that the issue right now is very polarized. It's either about the pipeline or about the numbers. It's not enough about the culture of the companies themselves. Because I think with, you know, some of those tech companies that have released their diversity data, when they released it last year, of course, everyone, shock and awe, single numbers. And then now they're starting to update that and it's still single numbers. But like, exactly. it's going to take some time. It's, it's not going to happen. It's not, oh, not going to happen over a year. It's not, it's not going to happen over a year. It's not going to happen over five years. Like, it may not even happen over 10 years. Like, it's going to be a long, long process. This is something that 
I mean, the tech industry has been around for a while now, right? This is something that's been ingrained in the industry for a long time. The industry was founded on, you know, being non-inclusive, being not having not much diversity. And if it was founded on that, it's going to take a lot of times to kind of flip that on, flip this on its head, right? It's going to take a lot of time to reverse that. So it's not going to be something that's like an overnight process. Right. Now, there's a lot of publications and such that are really covering and focusing on diversity and technology. A lot of those seem to be mostly around Silicon Valley from what I can see. But what are some success stories that you know of out there of companies that could use spotlighting? Oh, that's a good question. Do you mean spotlighting in terms of the great things that they're doing regarding? Yeah. Yeah. Like just like what are they doing that people need to know about? Well, I think one media company that I think is really important that everyone should know about is Model View Culture, Mm -hmm. founded by Shane Lee. And I recently wrote an article for them. And then the work that she's doing, it's an independent media company. The work that she's doing is really doing what I was talking about, combating the culture itself. So it's really about bringing to light these things that are happening and bringing to light, giving voice to the marginalized people in the industry and letting them say, Here, you know, here's our stories and also talking about what in the culture can we change or what in the culture is wrong that we need to fix. Um, I think that they have so much important you know, work that has been released that if you're at all interested in supporting diversity, that you should read that work. And I think other organizations and companies that need spotlight are organizations like Code 2040, Hack the Hood, Keynote Labs, Black Girls Code. Like these, these organizations that are founded. I think it's rare, it's rare to see organizations that are founded, you know, on diversity. I think those are the organizations that really need the spotlight. Organizations that have been founded upon this mission. That's really important to me. Oh yeah, I remember the article that you had on. A model view culture. Where are all the women of color hackers in movies? Yeah, yeah. Have you gotten any feedback from that? Yeah, no, I have gotten you know a lot of good feedback. There, are, you know, have been folks who are like, "Wait, you forgot that one person in this one show?" <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Listen. <laughs> so I've gotten good feedback. It was a great experience writing that, and it's not an issue that really many people talk about. And I was kind of sad after I watched the movie and I was actually looking forward to see if somebody had written an article like this. I was like, okay, somebody had to be talking about the fact that, you know, that she was playing a hacker and she's a black woman. Like somebody had to have talked about it and then nobody was talking about it. So I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Like I have to do something about this. (laughs) See, you're, you're still setting trends and blazing trails, (laughs) even with, even with articles like that. No, that's great. Who have been some of your mentors? Who are some of the people that you look up to? Yeah, well, I think people that I look up to directly, of course, is going to be my mother and my grandmother. Both have been such strong forces in my life. In the industry specifically, I really look up to Kimberly Bryant. She's been a great mentor. I reached out to her about a year ago. And ever since I reached out to her, she's been just a constant beacon of light and support and always throwing out opportunities and helping any way she can. Also, like... There's been so many great, I think social media is amazing. Twitter, you know, all the people on Twitter that have, I've been in corresponding with about, you know, the industry. I just was a part of the Women of Color in Tech chat happened a few days ago, and it was founded by Stephanie Murillo and uh, Christina, I can't remember her last name right now, and they founded this chat on Twitter for women of color to just talk to each other and talk about their experiences in the industry, and that was just amazing so i really in really great support and in honor honored by these women who are really trying to create these communities and networks for foreign of color in the industry 
what keeps you motivated and inspired to continue all of this this great work and visibility that you're doing? I think what really motivates me is just thinking about all. I, I really think about the privileges that I have to have this visibility and to also be able to do everything that I've done to be able to even study like at an institution like Dartmouth to be able to have had the resources to create my application, like all these different things and have the opportunities to have the internships I've had. And I think about the people who don't have those privileges and who don't have those opportunities and how can they still get access to this knowledge and how can they still learn? And it motivates me and it makes me want to continue to, you know, create these technologies for those people and to also, you know, be a mentor and reach out as much as I can to young people and students to encourage them to take their ideas and run with it, right? And just go for it. Because I think that, like I said, it's really important that people understand that technology, I think what makes the technology industry so different than so many others is you don't necessarily need, you know, 10 years of experience or 20 years of experience to, ne- to do something or to launch something. Like I have been coding for less than two years. So, and, and all this has happened. So I think it's important for people to realize that, that this is an industry that, if you give someone, you know, the skills, they can run with it and it can change their lives, right? There's a saying that sticks with me. It's, you know, you give someone a fish, they can eat for a day, but you teach them how to fish, they can eat for a lifetime. So I think that that's really, you know, resonates with what technology is and technology skills are, right? You can give someone the technology, but if you teach them how to make the technology, that really can change their lives. So I know that, you know, we sort of spoke before about what you would do after graduation, but this might be a little bit further ahead. Where do you see yourself in the next five years or so? Yeah. What do you what do you want to be doing? Yeah, I think that, you know, in the trajectory for me, I really want to either either I don't know if it's have my own organization or company or, you know, help run another organization or company, but work for a company or organization, like I said, that is really doing something innovative and positive for marginalized people in whatever way that manifests itself. So I want to be dedicating my energy and my skills to helping and impacting these communities in a way that they're, they can empower themselves. So I think that it's important when, when, whenever we talk about, you know, helping marginalized people or, or and such that we're not talking about, okay, like let's give them this and this and this, but more like let's teach them this and this so they can give themselves. It's about creating a community of, of learning and innovation within these communities. So that's what I really hope that in the next five, 10, 20, whatever years, that's still what I'm doing. I'm still dedicating my energy and skills to, to that. Well, just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you and the work that you're doing online? Yeah, so I have a website. It's kayathomas.info, um, and that has you know some stuff about me, my app, and such. Online, you can find me at on Twitter at kthomas901. You can find Riri2 in the iTunes App Store. There's also a Twitter account for Riri2. It's the Riri2 app. That's the Twitter account for that. And you can find me on YouTube. Code with Kaya is the YouTube channel. And you can also find me on LinkedIn, Kaya Thomas. Sounds good. Can't believe I got a chance to talk to the famous (laughs) Kaya Thomas. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak with me. I mean, just all the work that you're doing and everything. I mean, you're an inspiration, I think, not only, you know, to other students and things like that. But I mean, you're just an inspiration, I think in general with everything that you've been accomplishing so far. And I cannot wait 
to see what is in store for you in the future. So thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you. I really appreciate this and I really appreciate all the support. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Kaya Thomas and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Kaya and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks again, as always, to our wonderful sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. When it comes down to email marketing, of course, MailChimp makes it extremely simple. They have really great reporting and autoresponder features, and you can send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers for free. No contracts and no credit card required. Check them out at MailChimp.com. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names, and they give you exactly what you need to get the job done. Get yourself a new domain or transfer your current domains to Hover and save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code DOGDAYS at checkout. And lastly, there's Creative Market, which is a marketplace that sells beautiful, ready-to-use design content from thousands of independent creators from around the globe. Head over to creativemarket.com, get those six free goods that are available for free today, every Monday. And if you see something else that you like, use our discount code REVISIONPATH and save 20% off your purchase. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Mandre with intro audio by Yellow Speaker. The outro audio, this is my tape for you, is courtesy of Jimmy Square. Make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes. Leave a rating and a review. It really helps us get new listeners. I'll read your review right here on the show. Please leave a rating and a review. It really does help. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like the work that we're doing with the podcast and the website, then visit our new home over at Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge levels start at just $1 a month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.